0: You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? I'm Tim Kelly. This is Locked On Phillies. It is Tuesday, May 7th, and hopefully you put in a better performance at work today than the Phillies did last night. It's one thing to lose and losing a relatively big man or sometimes during an 162 game season that's going to happen. The Cardinals for example lost 13 to 5 on Sunday night baseball 2 nights ago and then they rebounded to win big last night. At the Phillies' expense. For all we know, the Phillies may do that tonight, and they kind of need to. But the bigger red flag to me is that this last night was one of the most lifeless performances that I can remember a Phillies team turning in. And I watched last September. I watched this entire decade, which, save for 2011, has been a pretty brutal decade for Phillies baseball. I started watching baseball at the tail end of the Terry Francona era. There are plenty of games for me to pick from in terms of poor performances, and lifelessness. But this wasn't even a game where the Phillies showed no life after being put in a big hole by their starting pitching. They showed no life from the get-go. And I find it hard to quantify... Who gets the blame for lifeless performances in baseball, and maybe that's not good for business, but that's my honest opinion. I also find it difficult to assign blame based off of one game, but last night the lack of energy to me was especially apparent. Does some of that go on Gabe Kapler? Probably, but... I subscribe to the belief that there's only so much a manager can do on a night-to-night basis to inspire players. Your professionals, the the Phillies have had what I think is a schedule that borders on being unfair in terms of how their off days have been laid off, laid out in terms of not having off days in between changing time zones. There may be a legitimate gripe there, but it doesn't really matter. The schedule's the schedule. That's part of the gig, and... So I I think being lifeless goes on the players themselves. Gabe Kapler isn't out there every night or isn't out there any night playing. And, you know, this isn't some movie where the coach goes in and gives some giant inspiring speech before the game every night that you do this 162 times a season. It's on you as a professional to go out and either play or don't play, and last night the Phillies showed no life. Vince Velasquez, again, he didn't make it five innings. And Miles Michaelis, who he was great last year, but he, he had really struggled in April. I All of a sudden he came to life last night. He only allowed three hits in seven innings. The Phillies had zero runners reach second base on him. It, it really was. It was one of those performances from the start where you thought – they just don't have it tonight. And for the first three or so innings, the, the Phillies were in it. Vince Velasquez was exhausting a lot of pitches, but hadn't allowed any damage really. And then the floodgates opening, you, you just knew that this wasn't going to be their night. Now, I found it interesting. Gabe Kapler pulled, he tried to get a fifth inning out of Vince Velasquez. It turned out to be a disaster. So he pulls him after four plus innings. And he also pulled O'Double Herrera. He moved Nick Williams into left field off the bench, and then Andrew McCutcheon, who had started in left field in the fifth inning, was already moving over to center field. And 5 nothing is a fair deficit, but it's one with Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, Gene Segura, Reese Hoskins. It's one you should theoretically be able to overcome. And in a game against a, a Cardinals team that you could potentially be competing for in the wild card race down the stretch, it's one where you seemingly would want to leave that option open with your best players on the field. So pulling Odubel Herrera in the fifth inning suggested one of two things to me. Either Gabe Kapler didn't like what he saw in his first two at-bats, um, you know, he really didn't have anything in the field to be mad about. He tried to catch a Matt Carpenter home run ball; couldn't get there. That happens in baseball. I don't, I don't think it would have been a fair expectation for anyone to catch that ball. And the two at bats weren't great, but I mean, that you know what you have in Odubel Herrera at this point. People that uh, expect Odubel Herrera to be different than what he's been for the first four and a half seasons of his career—it's just he is what he is. He's super streaky, and when things aren't going well things aren't going well and he just came off the injured list his timing has not looked good so seemingly even if you don't want to leave Odubel Herrera in for the chance to potentially win the game and because he is one of your better players when he's going well you would want to leave him in to hope that he gets his timing down a little bit they took him out at that point so I tend to think it actually meant that Gabe Kapler still has some reservations about Herrera physically and didn't want to push him in a game where you know realistically were the Phillies going to win that game last night? Probably not. So uh, that w- that was an interesting subplot last night. But overall, it, it was it was a bad performance last night, and something the Phillies do not want to duplicate because they don't have a lot of off days. They they have an off day this Thursday, then they go to Kansas City, and that starts another stretch of 17 games in 17 days. So. This is not a month where you can afford for the team to go in the tank. So Aaron Nola will get the ball against Dakota Hudson tonight. Nola only has allowed two runs over his last two starts, but he still hasn't looked anything close to vintage Aaron Nola. And boy, the Phillies could use a dominant pitching performance from, tonight's, or from him tonight. So when we come back, I'm not going to drone on any longer about this game. It was ugly, and either the Phillies will correct this tonight or they won't. I'm going to talk a little bit about an interesting quote Jimmy Rollins had over the weekend. If you're someone tasked with finding the right employees to bring to your company, you know that hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done, ziprecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply for your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. L-O-C-K-E-D, locked on. ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. So Jimmy Rollins was obviously back in Philadelphia over the weekend as part of his uh, retirement night Saturday. The Phillies weren't able to pull a win, but it was a nice ceremony before the game that they had. However, there was kind of this overlying feeling, and I think it is, especially if they, when they do the 2009 10-year anniversary of this year, which is when the Phillies won the second straight National League pennant but weren't able to win the World Series this topic will resurface where there's always this feeling, yeah, the Phillies got one during that era, and that's great, but they really should have had at least a second one. Jimmy Rollins had an interesting quote. He said, and this was to Matt Breen of the Philadelphia Inquirer, he said, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but I say we should have won three World Series titles, three rings out of those five years where we were really on top. I would say give us a good three. Sometimes the best team doesn't always win. You come against a team that's hot, a team that you're basically equal to, regardless of what your record is or how the matchup goes. So while Rollins added a lot of qualifiers there, I think that there is a, a general feeling from some. It's very hard when you're an organization that's existed since 1883 to call a five-year run where you won five division titles, played in the World Series twice, won the NLCS uh, three times, and then won a World Series. It's very difficult to call that unsuccessful, but if you want to say it was the best era of Phillies baseball and it could have been even better, fair enough. Now, Obviously, they won in two thousand and eight in two thousand and seven they squeaked into the playoffs for the first time in fifteen years and came against the Colorado Rockies who ultimately won the national League pennant and you know that's one of the hottest baseball teams i've ever seen. I think they won like twenty two in a row at one point in september you, you just played the wrong opponent. It is what it is they lost that game, that series in two thousand and nine. The Phillies obviously made it back to the World Series. But despite all-time performances from Chase Utley and Cliff Lee in Game 1 of the World Series and leading up to the World Series, I, just, I don't think that there's much of an argument to be made that the Phillies were better than the Yankees in 2009. Cole Hamels and Brad Lidge, who had both been postseason heroes in 2008, they became liabilities for Charlie Manuel. Pedro Martinez didn't pitch in the NLDS that year, and then he did pitch in the NLCS. In L.A., he was excellent, and they saved him for the warm weather in L.A. He pitched seven innings. The Phillies ended up losing the game, but he had been brilliant in that game. He started Game 2 and Game 6 of the World Series, and in Game 6, Charlie Manuel later admitted – that he had I I forget if it was the flu or stomach bug but he certainly was under the weather and you know given his history with New York it was kind of cool to see him do that as what turned out to be the final game of his career but truth be told at that stage of his career Pedro Martinez shouldn't have been pitching two games for you in the World Series and Brian Howard really struggled in that series that's well documented but so too did Jimmy Rollins those two combined to hit 196 in the World Series so between that and just the fact that the Yankees were just better I mean you you look at the roster Alex Rodriguez I think was the best player for the team at that time and yes he probably was using some performance enhancers but it it is what it is history isn't going to change it Derek Jeter was on that team who will be a first ballot Hall of Famer next year Mariano Rivera was the first unanimous Hall of Famer C.C. Sabathia is on the edge he's going to have a very interesting case but at that time he was one of the best two or three pitchers in baseball A.G. Burnett that was really his one really strong year in New York Robinson Cano has been the best player in the sport or one of the five best players in the sport for different stretches in his career Mark Teixeira has been an all was an all-star multiple times Jorge Posada was an all-star multiple times Andy Pettit was an all-star multiple times look the Yankees were just better in 2009 straight up the Phillies were a very good team that's why they made it they took the Yankees six games they just weren't the better team. Now, in 2010, I think they ran into one of those situations where they caught a team at the wrong time. Because on paper, I think the Phillies in 2010 were better than the Giants. But they had this strange group of cast-offs in their lineup that came up with timely hits. They had Pat Burrell. They had Aubrey Huff. The two that really stick out the most, though, Cody Ross absolutely murdered Roy Halladay in that series. I think he had three home runs total. But pretty sure two of them came in game one off of Roy Halladay and then Edgar Renteria who had an excellent career um, obviously had the walk-off hit for the Marlins at the beginning of his career to win the 97 World Series and then he hit a home run off of Cliff Lee in what turned out to be the 2010 World Series against Texas that uh, essentially sealed that so they had a lineup that, besides Buster Posey, didn't have anyone where you're going to say, wow, that guy was one of the best of his era, but they had some very good, savvy veteran players that came up with timely hits, and while the Phillies had Roy Halladay, Cole Hamels, and Roy Oswald, the Giants had a starting trio of their own Tim Lincecum, who... I don't know what a gamer is. It's just like like I couldn't define it. But Tim Lincecum is a gamer. They had Matt Cain, and they had a very young Madison Bumgarner who came of age at that time. They also had a dominant bullpen, which featured Brian Wilson, who was as fun as it got at that time, Sergio Romo, Javier Lopez, and Jeremy Affeld, or as Tim McCarver referred to him mistakenly, Jeremy Affleck. Uh And then, look, Charlie Manuel. I don't think anyone ever ex- – uh, um, looks at and says he was a great X and O manager. I don't think that there's many of those type of guys in baseball. Uh, Although in 2008, he pulled uh, every move he made between pinch hitting Matt Stairs, using Jeff Jenkins in Game 5 of the World Series to turn to gold, kind of the opposite happened, and I I think you saw Bruce Bochy, who's a future Hall of Famer in my mind, kind of run circles around him, and that's why the Giants won that series. I remember him bringing in Tim Tim Lincecum in the eighth inning of the the, uh, final game of that series, and it was just like he was ahead of his time at that time, and... You know, that's not the one that burns in my mind. 2011 is the one that burns because you had Cliff Lee come back to join Roy, All- Roy Halliday, Roy Oswald, uh, Cole Hamels, Vance Worley ended up having an amazing season. Then you still, while most of them were past their peak, you still had Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, Cole Ham, or, uh, Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley, and Ryan Howard, Carlos Ruiz. So you had a team that won 102 regular season games, and by going and sweeping the Braves in the final series where you pushed to break the franchise re- record and wins, which you did, you allowed the Cardinals into the playoffs, and it probably shouldn't have mattered because the Phillies won game one of that series and they won game three of that series and they should have won game 2. They they would have swept the Cardinals if Cliff Lee had held the four-run lead that the Phillies had spotted him. Unfortunately, Lee, who one of the best postseason pitchers maybe of all time, certainly in my lifetime, he wasn't able to hold that lead and that cost them because they lost a close game in game 4 in St. Louis and then, you know, you know how game 5 went. It, it was a classic game, but Roy Halliday allowed that one run in the first inning. It was a triple from Raphael for call to lead off. And then I believe Skip Schumacher, who's a first base coach somewhere now, I think it's the Padres, but he drove him in. And that was all Chris Carpenter need. Halliday, I, I will not. It, it's a shame that that loss marred what Halliday did because he threw 33 pitches in that first inning, gave up a run. And I'm like, wow, this is. It's going to be a clunker. He's going to go four or five innings. And he went eight innings in that game. He went eight innings, allowed one run in an in a elimination game. And that wasn't enough because Chris Carpenter pitched a complete game. Ryan Howard obviously tore his Achilles on the final play. And that was that. But I remember listening to Darren Dalton, who was on the radio at that time. Um, and he essentially said, I think whoever wins this game is going to win the World Series. And You know, you can say it's a stretch to say, well, if the Phillies won this one game, that guarantees they would have won two more series. But the Cardinals won that one game. They did win the World Series. And the Phillies. I think for the first time, I, I think that was the one year, even 2008. I think the Red Sox, who lost in game seven of the ALCS to the Rays, I think they had the best roster in 2008. 2011, the Phillies unquestionably had the best roster in the sport. So to say that if they get through that game, they may have won the World Series, well, I, I think there's a pretty good chance they would have. Unfortunately, that isn't ultimately what happened. You did get a classic World Series between the Rangers. In the Cardinals, but uh, yeah, obviously Philadelphia wishes that had gone differently. It could be worse though. Like the the Phillies had the Tigers in town last week, and you go down the list of the talent that the Tigers had over the last decade with Miguel Cabrera, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Prince Fielder, Maglio Ordóñez, Doug Fister. You, you go down the list of, of some of the talent that that team had. They have played in two World Series, and they weren't able to win one. At the very least, the Phillies got one because otherwise, wow. Can you imagine looking back on that era? Let's say that everything's the same except the Phillies lose the 2008 World Series. Things would just be entirely different in terms of how we view that team. Fortunately, the Phillies did win that 2008 title, and uh, while last night's performance didn't suggest they're close, I think they're much closer in 2019 than they were in 2015. So we shall see if they're able to bounce back tonight. In any event, I will be back tomorrow. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Kelly Sports and read my work on philliesnation.com and 94wip.com.